Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store, located at 1200 Central Avenue in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what's in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories, the culture, and the history behind the wine. I'm Julie Glenn. And I'm Gina Birch. Today we continue our series of Wines and the Zodiac, where we take the characteristics of a person in a particular Zodiac sign, and then we pair them with a grape of similar characteristics. So as we record this, we are in the sign of Aries. And there is no sign more impetuous and festive <laughs> than an Aries. Impetuous and festive. Those they- are both yeah not infestive and festive (laughs) we don't want infestations well aries wouldn't be too bad to infest things they're pretty fun um they are the first of the 12 zodiac signs in the year they're usually traditionally considered the first one of course here we are doing them last but it's been the one that i've been looking forward to because i love this grape these are people who tend to see themselves as number one they are really impatient they will not wait for permission to move forward with a project or a party and their enthusiasm can be so infectious that people will easily follow an aries lead whether it's a good idea or not. Off the edge of the cliff. Here we go. We're going to have fun on our way over. (laughs) And if there's a grape that correlates with impatience, either on the vine or with its world-famous early release, is Gamay. So it's the grape, when I talked about the early release, it makes its home in Beaujolais. So what do you think of when most people think of Beaujolais? It's well-known as the much-maligned and often-loved Beaujolais Nouveau. Yeah, people do love it, but then also people love to hate it. Yeah. They this like is, to get all snotty on it. This comes out in around right before Thanksgiving every year. Yeah, it's on the third Thursday of November. Sometimes it, correl- it corresponds with, with thanks, uh, Thanksgiving yeah. itself. But uh, the wine world convulses into a marketing <laughs> spasm uh, with the release of that year's Nouveau wine from a region called Beaujolais. The grape being Gamay. So Mm -hmm. that's wine from grapes that were harvested that exact summer. So they've had no age, no traditional winemaking, and it's basically alcoholic grape juice at this point. Right. And I think back in the day it was done as a way to thank the people who worked so hard on bringing in the first harvest. It was like, hey, thank you. Let's give you some of this. Let's celebrate. It wasn't really meant to. Yeah. Yeah. It's celebration, but. Hang out and have a good time. And then they had train lines going to Paris, and then it became a big fun thing in Paris to Mm -hmm. sit there and sip your Beaujolais Nouveau in November and December. Um, one thing to note is if you have Beaujolais Nouveau that's anywhere close to a year old or older, just throw it away. Yeah, just cook with it. It does not last. You know, and wine snobs like to criticize it because of all of the reasons we just said. In many cases, it's not the greatest thing to drink, but but it's fun. And if there's anything that could use a little lightness at times, it is the wine industry because it's so full of uh, mm-hmm. snobbery. And Sometimes it's full of itself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would never have a Beaujolais Nouveau. Actually, uh, I totally would. I would too. Put it on ice, have it with some turkey at Thanksgiving. I'm all about it. Come on. All day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem here is perception because yeah. there are those who for decades thought that the only thing that came from Beaujolais was Nouveau. Right. But it's also home to 10 crews. Uh, those are the little sub-regions, and they vary quite a bit from region to region. So I brought four of the 10 for us to try because I figured 10 might be a little bit 
too ambitious. Well, I love that you stopped short of halfway, too. <laughs> <laughs> I support you on the four. So the, let's, let's talk about the cruise. Since, since you brought four in, and for a lot of people listening, this might be the first time that they realize, oh, gosh, there's more to Beaujolais than the Nouveau. So um, from, we're going to go, let's list from top to bottom, north to south. Sounds so, good. Saint Amour, which is a romantic. I mean, it's a, it's a great seller on Valentine's Day, right? Of course, yeah. Mm. But it tastes good all year round. Mm-hmm. Julianus, named for Julius Caesar, whose troops are credited with planting grapes here and basically all over the rest of Europe. It's um, a couple of thousand years ago. Yeah, just... Every single European winemaker right. is like, these grapes were planted by Julius Caesar's troops during oh, the really? Roman mm-hmm. you, know, you don't say? I mean, every place. <laughs> and then there's Chinas. It was, it was um, it's kind of tough to find in the U.S. There's not a lot of it exported. But I'm pretty but excited. You, yeah, you brought one in. I found one. Mm-hmm. I found it. It's got a really cool name and label, which is also part of the reason that I had to buy it, so... Yeah. Awesome. I did the consumer thing. <laughs> You're the best. All right. Next crew is? Mulan Avent. This is the big boy region. It's this, These wines are suitable for aging. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit bigger on the palate because of the lower yields here. So you ended up with uh, more concentration of the berries. Then you have Fleury, which, as the name might indicate, has a beautiful flowery mm-hmm. palette with violets mm. and roses on the nose. It's one of my faves for sure. I love that one too. Then you have Cherouble. This is kind of the... I don't want to say entry level in that it's like that level of quality, but this is like the first step into Beaujolais. So once you get over Beaujolais Nouveau, then you have a Beaujolais region wine. It can be anywhere in Beaujolais. Then there's Beaujolais Village, which means it comes Mm -hmm. from any one of the numerous places within Beaujolais. Then Cherouble is one of the very representative Gamay-type places. And so it's it's the first step, and then you're never going to get out of Beaujolais again. Uh, the next one I like, Morgan. It's one that's, if, if you like Pinot Noir, you're going to like this one. It's a little more earthy. It, it definitely is a little more age-worthy and uh, than anyone might assume a, a typical Gamay to be. And it's light, and it is just a delightful wine. Mm-hmm. And then there's Rigny, which is the newest of the Beaujolais Cruz. It's kind of a middle ground between the Brambly Raspberry and the Earthy Morgan. And then you got Cote de Bruy and Bruy. Cote means hillside. And it's actually an old volcanic slope where the Cote de Bruy comes from. And then you have the Bruy, which is from the flat er lands mm-hmm. around that topographical flat-er. little. Yeah. yeah, flat er, not necessarily flat, flat. No, um, not Florida flat by <laughs> any means. Nothing is, nothing <laughs> is. Um, but there's that topographical little blip there that creates the Cote, which literally means hills, but it's not so much a hill, it's more a volcanic mm-hmm. slope. But um, this is my favorite for a standby wine that's going to make anybody happy. If anybody has an issue with this wine, with anything from Brewery, I've got to seriously question their taste. Well, and you'll take I that bottle right out of their hands. I will, it. Do, I will do it, and I will pour their <laughs> wine into my glass, even though it's bad luck in Italy to do that. But, um, yeah, I just don't want to waste it because it's really affordable, and it's really delicious, and it's just, if, if you don't like it, I'm just wondering if you even like wine. And the grape of all of these, once again, we're talking about is Gamay. Um, so when you hear the word Beaujolais, it's the Gamay grape. Beaujolais is not a grape. It is the region. And and so just from our description, you can see how incredibly different the wines are uh, because the terroir in this area is so different from place to place. And, you know, it's totally representative of an Aries. The variety is impatient on the vine and uh, with the early spring bud break and ripening. And that's where you get the Beaujolais Nouveau. And I think we should try some of this wine you brought in right now. I'm just my I'm kind of salivating. Well, yeah. OK, so the first one that I want us to try out of the ones that I got, I got a Fleury, and then I got a Brewy and a Morgan from the same producer. Okay. And then I got that Chenas. So uh, I'm totally excited about it. So while we try this Fleury, Fleury um, let's take a look at who our Aries people are. All right. These are famous ones. Um, and the, the defining thread through these is um, Robert Downey Jr., 
Lady Gaga, Reese Witherspoon, Celine Dion, Marlon Brando, Leonardo da Vinci, Emma Watson, Heath Ledger, Alec Baldwin. Are you getting like this whole uh, not asking for anybody's yes. permission before in, doing in things? Impetuous, yep. But then also a little bit daredevil but then completely different from one another, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm. Celine Dion and Lady Gaga, you know, are fairly different, I would say. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then another great, both great performers. Yeah. And then you got Claire Danes, Danica Patrick, Vincent Van Gogh, Jackie Chan, Harry. Jackie Chan. <laughs> Jackie Chan. Oh, I Shaka like Khan. this one. Shaka Khan. Let me not Shaka Khan, though. Um, and Harry Jackie Houdini. Chan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Harry stop. Houdini. And then uh, here's another name that you're going to love. Yep. Guccio Gucci. The founder of the House of Gucci. His first name was Guccio? Guccio. Guccio Gucci. Are you serious? Did you just make that up? Yeah. We want Roseanne Rosanna Dan to interview him. Right? Yeah. Roseanne Rosanna Dan. Guccio Gucci. It sounds like a tickle fest, doesn't it? It Gucci, Gucci. Oh, wait, it's Charo. I wonder what yeah. her sign oh. is. I think she's a Leo. She should I don't be. know. I'm not up on Charo and her um, <laughs> history or her signage. So um, the the wines that I brought in today are all natural wines. So uh, in honor of April being the month in which we have Earth Day. Mm-hmm. Um, these are wines that are made with little inter- intervention, uh, organic or biodynamic, and very little, if anything, in the way of sulfites in order for uh, preservatives and stuff like that. So... Note with natural wines that when you open them, there's going to be a little funk. It smells a little different, but then it blows off real easy. What what did you describe it? A locker room without the sweat in the socks yet? Just like the 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 socks that have just come out of the shoes, but not really sweated in. Like a recently opened gym locker room. Yeah, you know, like only seen a couple weeks of action from people changing clothes. Not super grungy. It's not extra, but it's there's definitely something that smells different from your usual. But this flurry, I mean, that's, this is it, lovely. It totally has gone away that that first initial mm-hmm. uh, blush of natural wineness. Um, this is from a producer named Anne Sophie Dubois. It's called Clepsydra, mm. and um, Clepsydra is the name of a time measurement instrument, um, sort of like sands through the hourglass kind of thing, but okay. with water. So it's a different time measurement machine. She named it this um, because of how long it takes for her to coax the best out of these grapes. Oh wow. So for me, this one, I get some of that floral element, but I get, I still get a little brambly. I get some of the the, the dark berries and, um, and then, but when we're talking about these natural wines, those are a whole other animal too. Um, but this is nice and fresh. This and, is pretty representative. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a representative of a good one. Uh, and I, I don't mean that to disparage natural wines. No, but this is representative but, of Fleury, though. It's totally oh, Fleury, right on. Yeah. The only thing that's different between this and what would be uh, a non-natural. Like an unnatural vinification, <laughs> something that was used supernatural or whatever. If you will. Yeah. No, um, but mm. if you if this if you had this flurry and it had been uh, done with the traditional like all the sulfites and all that stuff, it might be a little bit less of a sour cherry flavor. Um, because I was talking with uh, the person from whom I purchased this wine, mm-hmm. uh, he said that mostly when you have uh, natural wines, you get a little bit more sour. I do get sour in that on the finish. Yeah, and you know I'm, I'm kind of like. Sucking my cheeks in a little bit from it. Um, I know, yeah. But but this is a delightful wine. So what we're going to do? Take pictures of all of the labels of these. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll put post this on our all of our uh, social media sites so you can see. Because uh, if you're like me, sometimes when you tell me the name, you can tell me ten thousand times, but until I see that label, that's when it's going to click, and I'll remember. Oh gosh, I know what you're talking. This about This is a really now. pretty label. It is. It's it's very well done. It's very it's artsy and. It's what um, I would imagine someone like um, Anne-Sophie Dubois would design for a label, right? Dubois. 
that just totally okay so this next, next one, one this is kind of cool these are two different ones from the same producer you got a brewery and a morgon and these are totally different regions as far as how the grape tastes from the two different places mm-hmm. so this one take a look it's a little bit lighter in color mm-hmm. um the producer on this is um hang on where'd he go uh george discom um he's uh yeah george discom this is 2016 both same vintage same grape Different place. Which one are we doing first, the brewery or the Morgan? The brewery, because the brewery is always going to be a little bit lighter. Morgan, right, yeah. Morgan again is the one that's more like a Pinot Noir. Yeah, it's got that earthy thing going earthy. on. But okay. look at the uh, color on this; is very. It's a lot lighter than that flurry was. Super light. Mm-hmm. And it does not have Funky Town happening on the nose either. No Funky Town nose. You're right. Uh, I could drink that all day. That oh, it is so bright and awesome. Did you just roll your chair back and I did. flip your head back too at the same time? This is my region, man. This is my place. It's so good. I just totally love this. Um, there's mm. something about this mm. one, though, that I wanted to bring up. It's kind of interesting. Um, a lot of Beaujolais winemakers employ a local variation of carbonic maceration, which is the method in which grapes kind of like start fermenting before they before get crushed. Before they're in the fermenter or before they're crushed, right? Yeah, before they, so they're still in their little skins, and right. they start their little fermentation mm-hmm. process in there. And you can uh, urge that to happen with uh, temperature. Uh, so that brings out really bright, fresh fruit flavors, kind of like a Luden's throat cherry, washings yep. kind of thing, mm-hmm. that bright cherry. Without the sweetness, of course. I'm not talking like you're yeah. actually eating candy here. But not all crews do it. Not all producers do it. But if you do detect that Luden's Lawson's cherry kind of feeling, chances are it's because of the way it was vinified. And it was probably this traditional carbonic maceration, which just brings a little bit more of that fruitiness. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. And <laughs> when, we're, when we're talking about these red wines and, and you're, you're talking about some of that sour and, and the acid, these are wines that will be good with... If you're having dinner and somebody wants a red, but they're doing fish, or you you know mm-hmm. you want something that's lighter, but something that's going to go with, I think a variety of things on the table. A, a Beaujolais is one of them that'll do that. It's one of those few wines, red wines, that you can really pair. I think with things that you would traditionally go with white, and they would still go with the big reds uh, foods, heavier foods on your table as well. I want you to like take a deep breath and imagine for me the Thanksgiving table and take a sip of this wine. Mm. Yeah, because this wine next to your cranberry sauce and your turkey and your mm-hmm. sausage and cornbread mm-hmm. stuffing, it's got the acidity that's going to cut through all that fat, mm-hmm. but it has that bright fruitiness that's going to be able to pair nicely, and it won't overpower your turkey. Is with, it not the wine? It's perfect. And with the salty ham, yep. all that salt that you have, this is going to cut right through it and be, um, mm-hmm. be nice as well. And even if, like me, you're always like probably about an hour late with your turkey coming out because I never – seem to time that correctly. Yeah. And I'm you got to thaw it out first, Julie. <laughs> I do. I thaw it out. I brine the thing and I get it all planned out. And for some reason, my oven is not at temperature. I don't know mm. why. It's always on Thanksgiving and every single time. But you can just drink this all by itself. should have a Thanksgiving setting on our temperature <laughs> oven. No, I really should. Because you know you're going to be opening yeah. it every 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm so, we're here in April and I'm talking about Thanksgiving. But this wine, it, it'd be great with um, all of your summer fare, mm-hmm. um, all of your lighter grilled meats, some brats on the grill. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? I just, it's 100%. It's a, it's a lovely wine. My fave. I'm sorry. I hate to be called favorites on this. Well, you've called faves on both of them so far. And I just love Beaujolais. So, and so, I feel like it's the most overlooked place in the entire wine world. I, I agree with you on that. And again, I think it's because of the marketing of the Beaujolais Nouveau. I know. And It's like people took forever to get over a sweet white Zinfandel. You know what I'm saying? And now they see a pink and they're like, oh, 
I can't do that. You're, that's going to be sweet and disgusting. And I'm like, well, they're get, get finally over here getting into it. the yeah. dry rosé, thank mm-hmm. goodness. But maybe we can now start urging people towards enjoying Cru Beaujolais. Now we have the more gone in the glass. Look at the difference in color. It, it does look a little more Pinot Noir-ish. It's more bricky and, and a little mm-hmm. darker. Um, still see-through. You know, I mean, I can, like, see mm. what I've written through this. But totally different character, right? Mm-hmm. A little spicier nose. A little bit of uh, man cologne. You getting that? Doesn't I'm just it... going to dab it behind my ears now. I, I want to smell like man cologne. It smells like, I don't want to say Old Spice because it's not like. No, it's not quite that maybe manish. Maybe like Lagerfeld. You know, Carl Lagerfeld? Yeah, I could see that. You know, it's it's got this perfume. It's masculine. It, it smells like nuzzling into the stubbly man oh. neck, right? I just went someplace totally different. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> yeah, but taste yeah. that. So different. But still also good and very light. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'm digging that one, too. A little more earthy, a little bit more spicy. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when I get excited about these ones. I just yeah. love these two. Aren't they cool next to each other? I think they're great. This is a – if you are – if you want to learn about wines, that's some of the, the best things to do is what we're doing. These are the same producer, the same year – um, the same grape, but they come from different areas. So if you really want to to learn whether it's a Pinot Noir, whether it's a Cabernet from um, Alexander Valley versus Russian River Valley or mm-hmm. whatever, you get those from the same producer, same year, and try them back to back. And then that kind of gives you a better appreciation of the grape, of the area. And, uh, yeah, I love this. I love doing this. It's geeky, and I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a straight-up geek, Yeah, especially when it comes to this stuff. We try not to be too geeky on this show. I know, but I'm trying to get sometimes. too nerded out. But, you know, I mean, here's the other thing, too, that I want to talk about with Beaujolais is Pinot Noir is great. You know, mm-hmm. everybody loves it. But everybody's kind of bandwagoned on it, you know? And so the prices aren't really that agreeable, especially from Burgundy. But Forget Bur- Burgundy. Burgundy yeah. you can't even touch. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, if, if you are not excited to take a risk on a $45 bottle of Pinot Noir, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of them that are great. And you can get some $30 Pinot Noirs up in that $30 sure, region. that are decent. But a mm-hmm. lot of incredible Beaujolais is coming in under 30 There you go. So, and you just get some really good crew Beaujolais. You can get it under 30 and it's it's going to take, it'll, it'll make you a lot happier to get two of those instead of one bottle of Pinot Noir. Uh, I think so. No offense to Pinot Noir. I mean, no. you know. But uh, the, the West, how markets go. That's mm-hmm. what they do. So, you like it? What do you think? I do. I'm digging this. Are you sold? I'm sold. I'll drink a whole bottle. It's like I'm trying to sell it. No, you don't have to sell it. I'm, I'm putting it in my purse and leaving with it. <laughs> <laughs> that will be 25. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so yeah, what, what were the retails on uh, these that you bought? Are they all under 30? I mean, you just we don't have to be specific, but did, um, did you break the 30 plane on any of these? I think these two, the um, the George Discombe, I think these two were both like right around 30-ish, 30, 31, 32. Okay. Um, the first one, the Fleury. I kind of sprung for that one that was a little bit higher okay. than average, so it was like in the 40 mm-hmm, area, mm-hmm. But because um, I was kind of going crazy. You know how you get sometimes in the wine store. Um, she has a, a less expensive one, too, mm. The this particular producer. Same flurry as well, but um, I just was like, well, if she spends extra time with this one, I'm just going to go ahead and get that. So let's talk a little bit about the history. You know, I mean, we're talking about an area that is just south of Burgundy, where Pinot Noir reigns supreme. Gambay has been thriving there since the 1300s, um, where it's early budding, early ripening, and generous production provided relief from the second wave of the plague, right? So the mm-hmm. plague was going on. There wasn't that much production because Pinot Noir, as we know, is not Mr. High Yield, right? Right. So they really relied on the Gamay. And then they started planting the Gamay just mm-hmm. a little bit north of the border into Burgundy. And then the Duke of Burgundy outlawed it 
So that's why they don't grow Gamay in, in Burgundy anymore, ever. Interesting. And I didn't know that. this region that we're about to try, Chinas, that region uh, used to be uh, surrounded with a bunch of beautiful trees, beautiful oak trees. But in the 1300s, the king at the time, uh, I think it was Philip V? No. I don't remember. Um, the king at the time uh, ordered all of the trees to be cut down and covered in vines because of the need for um, high-producing grapes in order to keep people alive during the plague. Because wine will do that. You keep know. people alive during the plague? <laughs> that's guess, why I drink a lot of it. Because, God forbid, a plague ever hits. Yeah, forget that water I stuff. I want to be alive. Yeah, well, there's more bacteria in water, I guess, than wine is yeah, what the big well, uh, folk where, tale is. Where right? I live, there's a lot of bacteria. <laughs> and talk about a funky locker room smell when you come, when you, <laughs> when you turn on the faucet in the morning. <laughs> so this is Chinas. This is one that I'm not really that familiar with, but it definitely looks darker. Well, the colors, uh, yeah, it's it's a little more red. It's um, The colors are definitely different. It's not as brickish as uh, the Morgan. And, mm-hmm. um, so the, re- nice. the reason I had to get this is... I the love na- that Morgan finish, though. It's still hanging out in my I know. Mouth. It's Sorry. so good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one is called Big Trouble in Little Chinas. You just bought it because of the name, right? I did. I did, because I love Big Trouble in Little China. It's probably my favorite movie of all time. So this has some funk on the nose to me. It's got a little natural yeah. funk, natural wine funk. So it, it'll blow off. You just got to keep on swirling it for a little bit and make sure not to splash it on my white dress. Yeah. Because I've done that. I've never done that. I did. I was seriously, I was a new wine salesperson and I was going to show wine to someone and I was wearing a uh, butter yellow cashmere sweater, which is not really my style anyway. So I don't know why I even had that. But I'm sitting there trying to swirl. Cashmere on top of it. I know. And I'm swirling. Like, hey, this is, this is why, da, da, da. I'm trying to explain it. And it just goes, flip, And it was like a, a line right across the top of my chest. And I was like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I've all, we've all swirled wine out of our glass a time or two, but yeah. we don't want to do it over a buttercream color. Yeah. Whatever that it's fabric cool. was. I think I that it was now. nature telling me I shouldn't be wearing butter yellow colored anything. Yeah. Because it's not really my color. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's a mouthful. Mm. Dang. Yeah, if you'd have told me that this is a Beaujolais, Holy I would have hell. been like, nuh Really? That's a big, that's a big boy. That's very international style. Mm-hmm. Like, and that means appealing to people that are from the United States. <laughs> and it's and it's perfect that you put that last. So you did a really good job of lining these up to try them, Julie. I'm a big fan of the lineup. I know. But yeah, this mm-hmm. definitely should be tasted last. This mm. this guy is going with like a filet or something. Yeah, and you know, I get some, you know, we, we were talking about that uh, carbonic maceration and the cherry and the sour cherry. But on this one, I'm also getting some raspberry mm-hmm. on the finish. Some mm-hmm. really nice red raspberry. Um, like raspberry jam almost. Yeah. I don't want to say jammy jam, but Not like, jammy jam, but it's Definitely just, ripe. It's very distinct. Yeah, very ripe. Ooh, maybe mulberry. You know, I tried mulberries Ooh. over the weekend, and that's what that reminds me of. Maybe it is a more, because it is, it does have a little herbaceousness mm-hmm. to it, so. Yeah. Ooh. That's good. That's good. Delicious. I mean, people would love this one. Fabene. This would be a good one to uh, pull off on somebody who's into Syrah, you know, maybe. Let me think. Because it's not really it's not, heavily tannic. No, but it doesn't have that peppery. It doesn't have the pepper thing. But like, you know, the lighter Syrahs maybe? Mm-hmm. It's juicy. Mm. That's juicy. All right. So if we have not convinced you. Oh, that's nice. That's a good finish. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm getting a little more of that spice on the finish. Again, a little brambly. Mm-hmm. Um, but go into your local wine store and see what they have as far as Beaujolais. And, and uh, It's kind of hard to go wrong. Yeah. And... and Serve it with with a a nice dinner that has like we were talking about some of everything some some shellfish some fish some red meats uh, oh maybe a lamb shank with this or mm-hmm. pork shank 
Mm. I really feel Something like, fatty. The, do you love the connection, though, between Gamay and Aries folks? It's a fire sign. So once you get it, it demands some attention. The impatience of it on the vine, the impatience of it in the bottle with the Beaujolais Nouveau, the charging forward, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, and then learning later and then still going Oops. forward. Yeah. They're the pick themselves up and keep on going kind of people, too. Yeah. No, I you know? agree. I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> she's been Julie and here, here's the thing for everyone listening Julie's been saying for a long time I can't wait to do a show on the Beaujolais because it's it's my jam I love it and mm-hmm. just man once you once you try them you get it I totally get it I'm just and it's it's not really tannic it's it's and I'm not a big into tannic in person ever since uh, you know moving down into the Southlands where it's tropical and hot mm-hmm. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producers for online media are Anna Bejarano and Tara Calligan. Technical production is by Mike Canary. Great Minds theme music for Zante is by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check greatminds.org or call the Great Blind Baby and ask a wine question that we can address on a future show. That number is 707 200 3632. Thanks for listening.